you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Spooky Stuff Radio with Alex Matsuo. I am your host, Alex Matsuo, and I am so happy to be here this evening. And for those of you who are listening live, uh, thanks so much for spending the holiday evening with me. Um, We are two days after Christmas, and we are getting ready for the brand new year. And yeah, lots, lots, lots happening right now. A lot is happening. So I figured we could spend this evening and talk about some some of the spooky things about the holidays. Um, I know here in the United States, you know, Christmas is very much a very positive, happy-go-lucky time of year, nothing negative. Um, You know, Santa Claus, you know, comes into town, worst-case scenario. If you're naughty, you get a lump of coal. Um, or you don't quite get the presents that you wanted, you know, fairly low stakes if you've been naughty throughout the year. But in the rest of the world, that's not quite the case. In fact, if you have been naughty, then you may very well lose your life. So we're going to talk about some Christmas monsters around the world, uh, mainly around Europe. So this is where most of these stories are based out of. And yeah, we'll go ahead and dive in. If things sound a little awkward, my kitty is insisting on walking all over my computer or being held. So anyway, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with a proposal, if you will. Personally, I believe that Christmas and the holidays is actually spookier than Halloween. That's right. Uh, Spooky season doesn't end on November 1st. In fact, it continues. So I have a few reasons why I think Christmas is spookier and scarier than Halloween. First one is Santa Claus. What, What being is more supernatural than Santa Claus? And honestly, I've always wondered about Santa. Like, is he a magical human being or is he an elemental? And the fact that Santa has the ability to well, what we assume is stopping space and time so that he can deliver presents to every child around the world is nothing short of impressive, or he's moving at supersonic speed. Uh, but this thought is also mildly terrifying. A being with that much power can certainly dismantle society and the human race as we know it if they are real. And yet he chooses to deliver presents instead. So one could say that we are quite lucky. And next, spooky stories were told in the winter. Even back before Christmas was officially a thing, this time of year signaled the end of summer. Mother Earth literally goes to sleep, and it's a time where nature dies, so to speak. And what doesn't die goes to sleep. And the days are shorter, and the nights are longer, plus it's cold outside. There's snow, no one's traveling, let alone going outside to see friends after dark. 
so people were inside their homes much more. Think of a crackling fire and a flickering candlelight. It's the perfect setting. It's the perfect setting for telling ghost stories. And there is a thing for several centuries, even after Christmas was introduced, um, even Charles Dickens called Christmas Eve the witching hour for storytelling. Sure, the tradition has died off a little bit, but, you know, it's making a comeback. Next, we got Christmas monsters, which is something that I'm going to dive into a little bit more here. So I recently covered... Um, several times, 10 of my famous Christmas monsters in a recent blog. And seriously, what's more paranormal than monsters, witches, goblins, and more? So we got Frau Perchta, Krampus, Grilla, and more. Oh, sorry. It's not Frau Perchta. It's Frau Perchta. These monsters were mainly used as incentives for children to behave, not only during the holidays, but throughout the year. And most of these monsters would come out during the 12 days of Christmas, which I'll talk about in a moment. But seriously, while, heaven, while Halloween has its plethora of traditional monsters, Christmas monsters might be a little bit scarier because we don't think, you know, spooky, scary monsters at all, you know, during the holidays. So uh, certainly quite interesting. Uh, next, we got winter solstice. So December 21st, that is the winter solstice. Um, this has both scientific and spiritual significance. And it happens the instant the North the North Pole is aimed furthest away from the sun on the 23 and a half degree angle tilt of the Earth's axis. Now, this is a time where the sun shines directly over the Tropic of Capricorn. Now, usually the winter solstice happens between December 20th and the 23rd, but we mainly celebrate it on December 21st. And spiritually, it's significant because it signifies a shift around the world. And it's a time for rest and reflection as the earth goes to sleep. And it's a time for personal growth and discovering yearnings within yourself. All right. I talked about Santa earlier. Let's talk about flying reindeer. Let's think about that. These reindeer pals of Santa Claus can not only fly, but they can move at supersonic speed around the world. Or they're not affected by Santa freezing time and are able to fly. So either way, flying reindeer might be the most extraordinary cryptid out there. Uh, what gives them the ability to fly? Well, most people are going to say it's magic, but what if they were born with the ability to fly? And why reindeer? Couldn't Santa's sleigh be pulled by a legion of Mothman instead? Well, if you didn't have Nightmare before, now you do. All right, let's talk about Frosty the Snowman. So this is another element of Christmas that is a little freaky when you think about it. So, do y'all remember that movie, Jack Frost? Yeah, I know it's a kid's movie, but it was a product of nightmares. I mean, snowmen are inanimate objects. They're not supposed to come to life. That is until you put a magic hat on it. And I've always been fascinated by the Frosty lore because it does have significant paranormal ties. The first thing I think of is haunted objects. So, is Frosty's hat, is, that, is there a spirit attached to Frosty's hat, and that's what made him come alive? I don't know. I mean... I don't know. Or was it that the kids around Frosty wanted him to come to life so much that they, they manifested him, like they, they made him come to life? So something else to think about. Another one is inhuman entities. Now, inhuman doesn't mean reindeer. We're not talking about, like, everything's evil and it's a demon. Um, elves and fairies. 
they're inhuman entities or they're elementals or fae, and they play a significant role during the holidays. I mean, elves are working in Santa's workshop making toys. Fairies are contributing their powers to make the seasons more magical. And if you look at different Christmas lore, there's tons of stories featuring elves, fairies, trolls, gnomes. I mean, it's pretty cool. But also, let's talk about the 12 days of Christmas. So we know the, the famous, like, and we know that that's the time between the birth of Christ and the arrival of the Magi. By the way, the Magi were astrologers. But the 12 days of Christmas have several different meanings to different cultures. You might notice that in Christmas monster folklore, a lot of these creatures are rampant during the 12 days of Christmas, like the Yule Lads, the Calicanthari. There's a reason for this. During the olden days in some parts of the world, these dozen days were considered unholy. Therefore, these Christmas monsters had the ability to roam the earth. So in, in other folklore, like the Calicanthari, you know, the sun stops moving during the 12 days of Christmas. So it seems like the 12 days of Christmas could be the ho- like the holiday version of the purge for some monsters. And finally, of course, we have ghosts and spirits. Now, ghost stories are an old holiday tradition. And did you know that more hauntings are reported during winter and the holidays? Well, okay, so there hasn't been an official study of it yet, but there should be. I can only speak for myself, but usually I, I will get a spike in requests during the holidays. And I have a theory, take it with a grain of salt, with winter solstice around this time, plus the holidays being a time for family, I wouldn't be surprised if spirits want to come back and spend the holidays with their living relatives. All right, so let's talk about a few Christmas monsters. I got about 15-ish minutes left. Definitely going to enjoy this little talk because I always love the spooky side of the holidays. It's honestly my favorite. Okay, 10 Christmas monsters. You heard me talk about the Calicanthari. Um, they're from the Southeastern Europe and Anatolian folklore. Now, their folklore is really interesting. Now, throughout the year, the Calicanthari is, um, Calicanthari, sorry, spend their days trying to cut down the world tree in the underworld. So think of this as like the tree of life, the tree that holds everything together. They use this big saw in some depictions and they work together nonstop throughout the year. And just when they're about to cut down the world tree, by the way, if the world tree comes down, then basically earth and humanity is gone. Just when they're about to complete their task, uh, the 12 days of Christmas happens or the sun start, stops moving and the Calicanthari come to the earth's surface. While they're here, they wreak havoc on sinners. They're even known to sit on the door frames, outside brothels, and attack sinners as they leave. And they'll also go into people's houses. They'll destroy their furniture. They'll pee in the cupboards. They'll eat all their food, drink their booze. Um, by the time they return to the underworld, the world tree has healed itself. So then the Calicanthari have to start all over again in cutting down the world tree. Now, the Calicanthari are also known to be impish and not very smart. So that's something to keep in mind. All right. Let's talk about Krampus. Oh. So Krampus was my gateway Christmas monster. Um, I love Krampus. I have been to, uh, I went to my first Krampus Luff, um in, a couple weeks ago in Washington, D.C. because I live like just across the river from there. And um, yeah, it was a trip. So the day before St. Nicholas Day, Krampus and St. Nick go to houses and give away presents or punishments. 
St. Nicholas will reward the good children with presents, and then Krampus will, quote-unquote, reward the naughty children in the most terrifying way. They'll beat them with birch sticks, put them in a basket or a bag, and take them to hell. Now, if you look at the Germanic folklore of Krampus, he will actually eat the naughty children. So definitely a little more effective than Elf on a Shelf. Now we have Lucy. Lucy is from Norway and Sweden, and she's another one you don't want to mess with. Now, today, Lucy is portrayed as a beautiful woman in a white sash, and St. Lucia's Day is on December 13th. She is seen as angelic and pleasant, but just a few centuries later, before, Lucia was known as Lucy, and she wasn't quite so nice. So you could say that Lucia is like the toned-down version of Lucy. Back then, Lucy was portrayed as a hideous demon who travels by broomsticks with her legion of demons, trolls, and other evil spirits. And if you aren't tucked safely into bed, Lucy and her crew would kidnap you or unalive you. Um, there are some similarities between Lucy and La Bafana, Frau Perchta. Um, yeah, there's Grilla. Um, there's, there's a couple of different. There's a couple of. Um, there's a couple of different things here. So, let's talk about Frau Perchta. Perchta. I'm. I made a TikTok video about Frau Perchta and the Germans like literally came after me about it because apparently my pronunciation was awful. My apologies to any uh, German TikTok fans who are listening right now. <laughs> so Frau Perchta, Perchta um, she is my current love. Now she kind of makes Krampus seem a bit soft, to be honest. Frau Perchta is the upholder of cultural taboos, especially when it comes to spinning and weaving. You should have your spinning done by Christmas, plus eat fish and gruel on Frau Perchta's feast day. And if you haven't finished your spinning or abide by Frau Perchta's uh, feast day, there is hell to pay. During the 12 days of Christmas, again, again, the 12 days of Christmas being considered unholy, so the demons and monsters are out, she roams the countryside going into homes, and she will know immediately if you've been naughty or nice, finish your spinning, and eight fish and gruel. Now, if you're nice, you get a coin. If you're naughty, she'll split your belly open, take out your insides, and stuff you with garbage and straw. How nice. Now, um, a total <laughs> badass like Frau Perchta definitely needs her little um, legion or her backup crew, which is the Straggle. The Straggle are the helpers of Frau Perchta in Switzerland. That's right. She's got groupies. The Straggle are a band of demons that help Frau Perchta during the 12 days of Christmas. They love feasting on leftovers during this time, and if you don't leave out your leftovers, then they go for something much more succulent, your wallet and your children. According to the lore, they will rip your children to pieces. And in some variations, they'll just rob the kids. Um, so ba make sure you leave your leftovers out. Um, in other types of lore, they'll throw the kids in the air while ripping them apart. Feed the straggle. Next, we got Grilla. Grilla is my second love. Grilla is a giantess from Icelandic folklore, um, she, and she can really scare some kids into behaving. In fact, it got to the point where the king of Denmark told, it, told his citizens to stop using Grilla as a behavior modification tool. Now, each Christmas, Grilla comes from her cave in the volcanic mountains of Dimuborgir, and she will take all the naughty children into town puts them in a bag, carries them back to her cave, and then she boils them alive and eats them. Um, <laughs> she is married to her third husband. I believe his name is pronounced Lepasuli. Um, he is not 
like the most contributive husband. Apparently, he's very lazy and just sits in his chair all day. Now, Grilla and her husband do have kids. It is the Yule Lads. The Yule Lads are 13 brand, a band of brothers, and you don't want to mess with them either. They wreak havoc in the nearby village. They come to town one by one on each day, visit, and they visit the kids during the 13 days before Christmas, and then one by one, they'll each let themselves out, also during the 12 days of Christmas. Children will leave their shoes out on the windowsills, and each Yule Lad will leave a present. But if the kids are naughty, they will get a rotten potato. Um, and I've also heard that this is how um, this is how Grilla knows which kids have been naughty because her sons will basically let them know with a ro- let her know with a rotten potato. Um, the Yule Lads also cause chaos based on their names, like Spoon Licker will lick spoons, Window Window Peeper will peep into windows and steal your stuff, Sausage Swiper steals sausages. All right, now. Grilla and her husband are also fur parents. They have a cat, um, also known as the Yule Cat. Um, its name is Yola Paturin, and this is Grilla's house cat. Remember, Grilla is a giant cat, which means that, they, which means that Yola Paturin is a giant cat. It is a black cat that prowls the countryside on Christmas Eve that eats anyone who isn't wearing at least one new piece of clothing. If you've ever wondered where the tradition of Christmas jammies and Christmas socks came from, this might be it. The oldest written account dates back to the 18th century, but some people have said that this actually dates back even further. Um, and it's believed that Yola Katurin was used as a method to get people to finish their chores by Christmas. Um, also uh, encouraged farmers to get their work done early. Um, that was another one. All right, Bell Schnickel. So if you've watched The Office, the office you know who Bell Schnickel is. Belchnickel has many of the same characteristics as Krampus, but in my opinion, he's not as scary. He's a crotchety old man dressed in fur who works alongside St. Nicholas, and he will bring presents for good children and whipping naughty children. Um, it's also believed that he's based on Nett Ruprecht, um, who is the northern German version of Krampus that I've heard of. Um, and Belchnickel has also been known to wear a mask with a long tongue. Um, now, what's interesting is Belschnickel is German, but also very well known in the Pennsylvania Dutch regions. And interestingly enough, Philadelphia and New York City during the 1800s had the same um, amount of people in their population. And, and Philadelphia actually uh, recognized Belschnickel, and then New York City was Santa Claus. But because New York City exploded in its population, the world basically adapted to Santa Claus because of New York City. So, you know, had things worked out differently for Philadelphia, we might be preparing for Belschnickel's arrival instead of Santa Claus. So Belschnickel was almost our Santa. Really interesting. All right, then we have Mari Lude. Lude? Uh, man, I can never pronounce this one, so my apologies to anyone listening. Um, this is a delightful custom from South Wales. So to put it very simply, Mari Lude is a Christmas zombie horse that wants to eat and drink everything in your house. Um, if you look up pictures of Mari Lude, uh, it involves a whole horse's skull on a pole with a person hiding under a sheet. During Christmas, this zombie horse stands outside your door and rhymes and sings songs to get inside. The person living inside has to respond with their own song. Now, this back and forth of singing continues until someone relents. If it's the homeowner, Mari Lude gets to raid their pantry and drink all of the beer. So, kind of a win-win situation there. Um, cool. So, let's see, we've got about five-ish minutes left here. Let's talk 
talk about Hans Trapp. Hans Trapp. So Hans Trapp, um, this one is a, this is a basically a cannibalistic scarecrow. Um, so I'm going to talk about the legend of them. And then Hans Trapp is actually based on a real person. So this legend is really well known in the Alsace-Lorraine region of um, France and Germany. Uh, Hans Trapp is a lesson to be learned in what happens when you stray from God, turn to the devil, and become obsessed with wealth and power. Hans Trapp is said to have lived in the 1400s, and he was very rich and powerful. But he was also merciless and feared by the people who lived in, in the Alsace-Lorraine region. He got obsessed with power and started making deals with the devil to make that happen. In short, he sold his soul to Satan. The Catholic Church and the Pope found out and excommunicated him. And as a result, he was shunned from his community. Hans was banished, stripped of his titles, lands, and money. He resorted to living in the mountains of Bavaria, Germany, and dedicated himself to practicing black magic in the occult. Satanic panic, anyone? He was... Um, and then he ended up losing his mind, and he went from obsessing over power to wanting revenge on those who wronged him. While this was happening, he had a, he had a craving for human flesh. One day, he stuffed his clothing with straw and disguised himself as a scarecrow and placed himself along the road. A 10-year-old boy from the local village walked by, and Hans stabbed him. He took the boy's body back to his lair, sliced the boy into tiny pieces, and cooked his flesh. But before he could eat, he was struck with a divine lightning bolt. Uh, depending on which version you read, he hit his head on a rock and died when he fell. And in another version, the bolt of lightning was what killed him. So now this is definitely a story of consequences. Um, it's kind of the consensus is, is that uh, basically God was fed up with Hans Trapp and his evil ways. Today, his spirit lingers and Hans Trapp lives on dressed as a scarecrow. So he's kind of stuck in this purgatory, purgatory, and he works with Santa Claus and the Christ child so he can earn redemption. Um, Santa gives the good kids presents while Hans punishes the naughty kids. Um, so basically, with the naughty kids, Hans Trapp will carry them off into the dark forest, never to be seen again, assuming that he's eating them. Now, what's interesting is Hans Trapp was based on a real person named Hans von Trotha, who lived from 1450 to 1503. He was a German knight and a marshal in the Palatine territory, so this would be the French-German area, again, Alsace-Lorraine. He commanded two castles on the German side of the border. So the story goes that he got into a land dispute with the church, specifically Weissenberg Abbey. The abbot wouldn't concede certain properties to Von Troza, so he had the nearby river dammed so that the local village would be come off, cut off from its water supply. When the abbot complained... Hans trapped in something really messed up. He tore the dam down, which flooded the village and damaged the village's economy. So this was basically open warfare between Hans Trotha, von Trotha, and the Abbey. Even the emperor at the time couldn't stop it, so they had to get Pope Innocent the, uh, the 13th involved. Then his successor, Alexander VI, um, asked Hans to come to Rome in 1491 to prove his loyalty to the church. He refused to go to Rome to present his defense, and he wrote a letter instead, and he accused the Pope of impure acts and being corrupt and shady. So needless to say, this letter didn't work, and Hans von Schurza was excommunicated. But his life wasn't necessarily ruined. He went on to serve the French court, and he was given the title Chevalier d'Or by King Louis XII. After he died, all of the charges against him were forgiven. Aww. 
So you can tell that Hans von Schrotha wasn't well-liked since the legacy of Hans Trapp is much more famous than he is. Now, when people hear his name, they think of a cannibalistic Christmas scarecrow instead of a knight fighting over his land. It just goes to show how the dominant group can not only rewrite history, but also our personal narrative. So um, that is all I got for tonight. Well, I got more, but I'm running out of time. So uh, there's also Danny the Ghost Boy. There's a lot of really good Christmas legends out there. So if you're interested, head on over to my website at thespookystuff.com um, and check it out. Just use the search bar and type in like Christmas and it should pop up. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for tuning in tonight. I hope this little show helped make your Christmas a little more spooky. And I'm going to go ahead and hand over the spotlight to Live Paranormal Radio, uh, to Nikki and Rob if they're around. And thank you all so much. Happy holidays. And um, I will see you in 2023 on January 3rd. I hope you all have a great night. Thank you for joining us for Live Paranormal Radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our Live Paranormal Radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.